Hey everybody, Adam Stott here. Thanks for checking out my podcast, Business Grow Secrets. You're absolutely in the right place. This podcast is going to reveal to you all of the secrets that you've been looking to discover that are going to allow you to cure your cash flow problems, attain more clients, bring in more leads for your business, and create systems and processes that give you the growth that you want. You are going to discover the business growth secrets you have been looking for that I've used to sell over £50 million worth of products and services on social media and help clients everywhere to grow their businesses on the mark. So let's get started on the Business Growth Secrets podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Business Growth Secrets. I'm really, really, really pleased to be bringing on Sarah Willingham, the ex-Dragon Den star and multiple business builder, somebody that attended our last event and blew everybody away. She was absolutely phenomenal, so much so that we've asked her to come back because she's incredible at what she does. The way she's able to see an entrepreneur, the journey they're at, pinpoint where they're at, and give them the direct advice to grow is you know, something that everybody needs to see and be a part of. And of course, you should get to our next event to come and see her because it'd be incredible. I'm going to bring Sarah on to tell a bit about her story, a little bit of background. She's got so much to share. We're not going to get it all across in a podcast, but I'm sure we're going to get some great stuff. So thanks for coming on, Sarah. Really appreciate it. How are we doing? Oh, thank you. What an introduction. I mean, this is like the best way to start a day, isn't it? A <laughs> <laughs> so few, few compliments get pumped <laughs> up, but you know, absolutely. <laughs> Now, and really, you know, thank you for what you did at last event. You were incredible. Feedback was massive. So, you know. It was such a pleasure. Actually, I had so many people follow up with me afterwards that were in the room. It was really, really lovely. And it was great to be actually just a little part of everybody's journey. There were some fantastic people in the room, really motivated. And I think, you know, what, what I really felt that they took away more than anything was just, just a little bit of empowerment that they felt like, you know what? I can do this. Obviously gave them lots of little tips and stuff, but just the, it was that feedback of, I left feeling empowered that really sat with me afterwards. And I, I loved that. They're great people. So I'm, I'm so grateful that you had me on. I loved it. <laughs> Brilliant. And they were, that's exactly what they said. They felt empowered. A lot of the things that you talked about really resonated with them. You know, you, you talked a lot about having a life path versus a career path was something that I think it's become within our group, something that a lot of people are talking about. We have a WhatsApp group for our Gold Circle clients and a lot of them are talking, saying about how that really inspired them, as well as many other things. And, you know, the way that you talked about marketing and explained marketing to them is was really, really, really good for them and something that they've kind of heard, but you said it in a different way. And I think as well, being that with your background and the things that you've done, for someone to come in and tell them, actually, you're on the right path, you're doing the right things. You know, you might not be there yet, but you are on the right journey, I think was was certainly empowering to them 100% and reinforcing it. So, you know, brilliant stuff. I want to, for the audience of the podcast, maybe you didn't come to the last event, you're listening now, you're probably going to come to the next event because you're listening now and you're probably going to get super pumped after this, I've got no doubt. Um, but I wanted to kind of go a little bit back, Sarah, and and just talk about where you came from. You've obviously gone on to have this massively successful career in starting businesses, buying businesses, growing businesses, listing businesses, so much so that you were invited onto Dragon's Den and did two series there and invested in businesses and really successful. But with every success, that starts from somewhere. 
So let's go all the way back and kind of uh, let's talk about how you kind of started out. What was the beginning like for you? Yeah, so it's a funny thing, really, because I often get asked, like, what was the moment when I decided to be an entrepreneur? And it just didn't really happen like that for me. I do believe that some people are kind of born going, I want to be an entrepreneur, you know, I need to have my own business. And I was never driven like that. Like, I don't believe in career paths. I've never tried to carve out a career path myself. I really believe in a life path. So it's, I've been so driven by what it is that I want out of my life at that time. And as far as I'm concerned, my career has to fall into line. It has to help me get what I want and to be where I want to be at that moment in my life. So I was very driven early on um, by actually loved business. You know, in my teenage years, I remember always asking those questions of why are we all singing a finger of fudge is just enough? And why are we all wearing Nike trainers and the same brands and buying the same sort of cheese and what did that mean and how did that happen so I was really interested not really knowing you know nobody was in business not really knowing what that really meant but I thought oh you know what I'll go off to university and study business what I wanted to do but I really wanted to travel my dad would not let me take a gap year working class northern family was like you need to go and graft Sarah go and get a job and come <laughs> then you'll never come back. Mm. Anyway, that sits with you, right? This desire, like I, I really wanted to travel. So in my 20s, I was very lucky and managed to combine my passion for eating and drinking and have, going out and having a nice time with my friends with my passion for business and my interest in business and also my passion for travel, which was fantastic. And I ended up opening restaurants for Planet Hollywood and Pizza Express all over the world. And it was great. And you know what? I absolutely loved it. Literally ticked all my boxes in my 20s, lived my best life. And at this point, was not thinking, I need to be an entrepreneur at all. You know, I was very, very happy. Mm. My life was great. But as I got towards my late 20s... So, so your philosophy almost is we're saying like, we know what we want from life. And really then you're looking at those opportunities and trying to spot those opportunities as to whether they're going to fit in with your life, as to whether you're going to do it, right? So, so actually having a massive focus, right? I mean, it's literally driven every single, let's call it business or career decision that I have yeah. made in my life has been driven by a life event. It's I been that, that's unusual, by the way. Yeah, well, clearly yeah. it's unusual, you know, which is, and I think it's really good advice for people that like get really clear on what you want out of life and then you're going to make much better decisions. But a lot of people are not, a lot of people let life take them on a journey rather than the other way. Do you understand what I mean? Uh, completely. And I just, I don't believe in it I, because you've got, well, first, we've all got one shot at it, right? Yeah. And you want to hold the pen and write your story. You want to be the lead role in your story. And if you allow a career, let's say, your career path to dictate your life, it's like half your story. It's not even half your story. It's just, it's quarter of your story. I mean, what? What's happening in the rest of it? But you've got this thing that's driving you and that's pushing you. But what about all the other stuff that really matters? So that's why I'm so driven by, by my life and what I want out of my life and, and how I want to live my life at that time. And that absolutely punctuates so many of the decisions that I made. So for example, when I decided to become an entrepreneur, it was very much driven by the fact that I was like, I want a family, I want loads of kids. I cannot continue to live. Yeah. As I am at the moment, where I'm in 
Geneva on a Monday, Moscow on a Wednesday, Italy on a Friday, <laughs> living out of a suitcase, which was great in my 20s. Honestly, living my best life, loved it. But I thought, that's not going to work if I want a family. And that was the point at which I thought, actually, if I want to control my diary, I need to be the boss. I need to be in charge, which means I need to do this on my own. And I was also driven, I wanted to make some money as well. And that was, you know, not to be too clinical about it, but the reality was is that I knew that having some, you know, a significant amount of cash in the bank would allow me to be freer. Yeah. It would give me some freedom. And I think it was really important. So I was very driven to make that decision where, right, I'm going to go. I wanted to have the largest chain of Indian restaurants in the UK, having just learned from the absolute best there was at Pizza Express, how to create shareholder value, how to roll out a simple replicable business model, and how to simplify a business model to be able to roll it out. And I totally understood what they did. Once I'd learned that, asked all the questions, sponge, taken it all in, it's like, you know what, I can do this. And that's when I decided to go and do it in Indian restaurants. And again, that was a life decision. And then my next significant decision was actually to sell it. And that was three, four years later, where I started to have more children. I was like, actually, this isn't working. thought this was going to be a great path. And it was a great path. But actually, I need an event. One, I needed an event to make some money. So I did actually need to sell it to make some money. But also, I had 1,500 staff. And lots of children reliant on me getting up in the morning, and it just didn't work. How do you handle that pressure? I think that that's, uh, and I know that because we spent so much time on the event, we went a lot deeper in the when we were talking about you actually getting the proximity and very early being around very successful people and learning from them. You mm. then go on to take on a lot of pressure. I mean, even when you were young, you took on a lot of pressure, didn't you? So when you were in your twenties. You start going around the world, opening restaurants and meeting new people. It's not something that a lot of 20-year-olds do, right, is it, to be, to be fair? So what do you think your qualities are that you were able to, to go and do that? So I actually do thrive under pressure, to be fair. And a lot of it comes from the fact that I, you know, we talked a lot as well last time we met about sort of imposter syndrome and how how do you work with that? And my way of making that work for me, when I feel the pressure, when I feel out of my depth or I feel an imposter in a situation, my drive is to not feel like that. I want it to become within my comfort zone. You're using fear positively, not fear, but you're using it positively. A lot of people don't. So a lot of people run from the fear, don't they? Or they run from the imposter syndrome. They don't attack it. Yes. What do you say? What makes you do it that way? Well, I think a lot of it, I mean, obviously some people are born, you know, you're born the way that you're born to a large extent, but I really think you can work on this and I think you can talk yourself, you can talk yourself through it. So I think one of the things that certainly in business people do is they try and make it sound really clever and they try and make themselves sound really clever. And what we do in our, especially in our twenties is we sit and look at all these really clever people. We think, oh, you're so clever. I'm nowhere near as clever as you are. And I think that's really important for people to understand is that, to be honest, everyone's kind of making it up. Everyone's winging it to a large extent. And actually, they aren't cleverer than you. They're not. They might have a different brain. There are different types of intelligence, but they're not cleverer than you. And I think that realization, when I see other people doing it, and I think, well, hang on, 
like, surely I can get my head around this. You know, I mean, I think I use the example of doing live television, for example. I yeah. mean, I was utterly terrified. I hated it. I mean, honestly, I could have thrown up. I thought it was so awful. But I thought to myself, hang on, there's lots of other people sat in this room that don't appear to want to throw up. And I spoke yeah. to them afterwards and said, like, uh, were you not nervous doing that? And they're like, well, no, it's what we do, right? We've been doing it for years. You know, the guests that were on. And I was like, but you just got interviewed like I just got interviewed. Were you not terrified? Well, no. Well, why are you not terrified? Well, we just do it more. Yeah. You know, do it. And I thought, I, that's it. When you feel yourself enter that zone, be like, I'm utterly terrified. You've got to do it more because otherwise you spend your entire life being terrified of something that lots of other people aren't. And I'm so driven by that. Like, if they can do it, I've learned that, you know, they're not cleverer than me. They're just different. I think it's such a good bit of advice that a lot of people don't take on board. And a lot of people don't because they just don't want to go against that fear. When it comes up or when fear sort of raises its head, if you can push through it, you know, you're going to gain a new skill and that's going to get you to a new level, isn't it? Right. And give you new opportunities. If your comfort zone stays here, right, that's it. I mean, by definition, progression means change, right? Because in order to progress, you can't keep doing the same thing. Otherwise, you won't be progressing. You've got to change. Something different has got to happen to progress. And if your comfort zone's here, you know, what if it became here and then here? And and, and that's, I love that when I look back and go, oh my God, like, you know, I would never have done that five years ago or I would never have done that even six months ago. And the fact that you then learn. You know, like, I think from the conversation we had, realizing how much you pushed that, you just continue to push it because you were opening restaurants for uh, Pizza Express and you were doing that as it, and you went out, found an Indian restaurant that you loved. You told the whole story at the event. And once you found it, you kept pushing that and pushing it and pushing it and building it. Was you ever afraid, like, am I going to push this too far? Or was it, did that ever come up? Or was it like, is there a chance that this won't work? What if we open another four? quite get did you have any fears around that or was it just a determination of i'm not going to fail i sometimes i talk about like a frame of reference what was your frame of reference to to go and just keep driving that so it's actually it's a really good question it's very important because i'm actually surprisingly quite risk averse and it may not seem as i am because i'm always pushing but i am all about downside protection always every business decision I make every life decision I make I'm like can I handle the downside if the answer is no I walk away I'll never do it and I've never taken a risk where I couldn't handle the downside and that's really important in business as well not just in life but also in business so you go what is the worst thing that can happen here the worst thing that can happen is let's say you start a business that makes glasses let's say and you go all in so you've put your house in You've put your kids' uh, future in, everything. What's the, worst thing, what's the worst thing that can happen in that scenario? Lose everything. I lose everything. Not, I'm not prepared to do it. I'm yeah. not prepared to do it. I'll walk away. I'd rather not start the business or structure it differently, do something differently, find a way of starting that business where, of course, I'll, I'll risk something, but can yeah. I handle the risk? Yes, I can. And that's really, really important, I think, when you make decisions where you, you don't just drive blindly through. You don't just face fear blindly. Yeah. You, go, you know, it's the same like, like 
let's go back to the live TV example. I know it's not particularly helpful because it's not actually business, but it's the same mindset. You know, what's the absolute worst thing that can happen here, right? Is I stumble my words on live TV. I don't remember an answer that I don't look great because I can't remember what I need to say, that I don't sound brilliant. Yeah. Right. My life still goes on after that happens. 100%. That is a boundary I can push. What's the best thing that can happen here is that I get really comfortable with public speaking, live TV, and I lose that imposter syndrome that I've had for years where I feel like I'm going to throw up if I stand up in front of people. And I've completely, it's gone now completely. I mean, I could literally stand up in front of 5 million people in, with five minutes notice and not worry about it. I could that, never oh, have done that. Never have done it. What benefit does that bring to your life? I'm just from a speaking perspective, a lot of people that, because it's a big fear, isn't it? And, and for me, being able to speak publicly, communicate and do these type of things with confidence. Um, I said to you, I've recently done a couple of TV programs myself and I didn't for one minute feel nervous. I just went in there. It was a breeze. I loved every minute of it. I think that the confidence that you can walk and talk with just escalates so much. It makes life easier. I think once you conquer that public speaking, do you think? I was just interested in your perspective. Yeah, hugely. I think in life, it's an incredible life skill to be able to communicate confidently. I think that's the key. It's the confidence. And in business, I actually think it's essential because people around you, want to hear decisiveness, confidence, surety. Of course, they need to understand you're also diplomatic and you're human and you want to listen and you want to take on board their ideas. But at the same time, if you're leading a business, you've got to give them confidence that you're prepared to make the decisions. Yes, you might have you know, had a conference and listened to 40 different opinions to get there, but ultimately you're going to make the decision and then communicate it. And I think that's really, really important. I also think in business, so a lot of the times we might be looking for funding. So even, even I, you know, I've just done an IPO this year, so I've floated on the stock market. And in so doing, I have to do a roadshow. And doing a roadshow means I have to go around to institutions and I have to tell my story and I have to tell them what I'm planning on doing and tell them why I think my business nightcap yeah. on the stock market would be a good investment for the institutions. That the delivery of a pitch is really important. And I know it from being on the receiving end of Dragon's Den, yeah, but of course. <laughs> you know, it's whether you stand up and you know, you're talking to your staff today or whether you're talking to investors, that confidence of communication is really important in life. It's a great life skill, great life skill. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. That's why I wanted to just sort of see what your thoughts were on it. But, you know, in terms of conquering that skill. So we talk a little bit about Dragon's Den, being that you brought it up there, you know, and obviously we've had a long conversation about it already. So I'm going to try and ask you some different questions to mix it up a little bit. But why don't we start off with this? When you were pitched, was there anyone you wanted to invest in based off the pitch? They were that compelling and that persuasive and that influential that you're like, I want to invest in it. But then they were saying, just like, I don't want to be in that business. Was there somebody that you remember that presented so well to you? There was one business, actually, Snaffling Pig. They're still doing really, really well. And I loved the guys. I mean, I just thought they were absolutely great. I really did. They were really great. But I hate pork scratchings. Like, they actually yeah. make me gag. I just can't eat them, which sounds ridiculous because so what? It would have been a great investment, you know. 
But Nick, who did end up investing in them, loved to pork scratching, you see. He, How does he? Oh, he was all over it. He couldn't believe it. It was so exciting. But I knew those guys would be successful. And actually, I kept in touch with them afterwards. They were great. But I also had some people that I thought were fantastic that I tried to invest in. Then they picked a different dragon. Who was the one that got away for you? There was a, a lovely business. I think it was called Hope and Glory that I really liked. Clothing business. They were great. And I really wanted to invest in them. But they picked Deborah, I think. I think it was Deborah. Was it Deborah and Peter? I think it was Deborah. I can't remember, actually. I think, it was, I think yeah. it might have just been Deborah. But again, you know, great business, great girls, loved them. Thought, God, I could definitely work with you. We'd actually really enjoy ourselves. But it was first series and they didn't pick me. So that happens a lot as well. You know, you yeah. lose out on the ones that quite often you can lose out on the ones that are really good because they pick a different dragon. It's like, maybe they get my pitch better. that's it well knowing how personable you are you're very personable and very interested and i think that's really really important isn't it you know that you've got you're actually super interested in business and entrepreneurs and people you know they probably missed out didn't they you know i think because you would have put the time into them wouldn't you 100 percent. i do actually go all in you know i didn't do a huge amount of investments from dragon sen and, and but that's because when i invest it's not just me i have a little team you know, also my husband, who's really smart, but smart stuff, different stuff to me, who's yeah. brilliant. He also goes all in, you know, we really commit and you can't commit to everything, you know, but I have definitely learned. I think I said this to you last time that I see a lot more success in the businesses where I play a really active role Absolutely. in working and helping, yeah. which you, you know, I would hope that's yeah. the case with anybody. And so now I'm, I tend to choose businesses We have just done a couple of investments, actually, Michael has, where it's more of a silent investment. Most of the time we commit and we go in and we make a difference. Okay. So while we're talking about investing, we've got a lot of people that listen to the podcast, a lot of um, business owners, and they get confused a lot when it comes to investment. And Mm -hmm. a lot of the time, you know, really an investor wants to invest in a business that's got either a good business model, a good message, a good way of getting to the market, knows how to acquire clients. Yeah. And they've got these things in place. Yet a lot of people at the early stage of their business think, oh, I just need an investment to get me going. Mm-hmm. You know, where it really they need to go and sell themselves and they need to go and sell the product service and get themselves going. They don't 100% understand the investment model. What kind of tips would you give for somebody when they should get investment? And what do they need to do at the beginning? I know my thoughts on it. I, I know that we're kind of aligned in our thoughts on it, which is yeah. great. I'd love people to, being that you're a seasoned investor, I'd love people to hear it, hear your thoughts on it. What would your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I am obsessive about shareholder value. And I mean obsessive, especially founder shareholder value. And so I'm always very reluctant to, when I speak to people to encourage them to get investment really early on when your equity value is really low. I think you find every way you possibly can to get some cash into your business. It could be anything from, you know, invoice factoring to just sell more, 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 more as much as you possibly can. Borrow a little bit, like whatever it is you can do to safely and sustainably get some cash into the business to sort out short-term cash shortages, which it usually is short-term cash shortages on a startup early stage business rather than getting investment. The thing is, is if your business is successful, the chances are you are going to need investment later. It's rare that a business doesn't need investment at some point in its life. Yeah. The more your 
equity is valued, the more value you're creating for yourself as a founder. So the later you can do that, there is a tipping point. And each business is different. I can't just say, oh, the tipping point's yeah. a million quid or the tipping point. You know, obviously, each business is completely different. But I'm always very reluctant to advise people early on when you haven't really proven your business model, you haven't really proven the concept yet. You don't really know that you're going to be a big success. Try not to sell equity at that point. Try and prove some way or other that this is a replicable business model, that it is ready for growth. And one of the questions I always say to people early on is, if I gave you a million quid, what would you do with it? And if the answer to that is, oh, I'd hire loads of people in head office and I'd try and see if this works and I'd try and see if that works, I'm out. Because you haven't yet nailed your business model. If I say to you, do you want a million quid? And you go, oh my God, I know exactly what I'm going to do with that. This is amazing. Thank you so much. I've nailed my marketing model. Basically, I acquire customers online. This is what I acquire them for. It's going to cost me 50 quid to acquire each customer. Don't worry. They all, I get at least 300 back. Thanks mm-hmm. for your million quid. I know what I'm going to do with it. Into 10. Then they can have 10 million. Yeah, yeah. Because it's a bit, you know, obviously... Then you, they're also going to hit a plateau on that at some stage, but, yeah. but 100% that's going to get them to the next level, yeah? That's at that point where you've nailed that business model and that replicable business model is the point at which you should think about investment if you need to. But often when you get there, you're like, actually, hang on. There are other ways to be getting some cash in here, but it's about the protection of the founder shareholder value because I can guarantee you if you're successful, you will end up with a number of series of investment, which means you are diluted all the way. Uh If you start off when your equity is worth hardly anything and you already give away 40% of your business, by the time you end up when the business is worth 10 million quid, you'll have like 6% of the business. You'll be really annoyed. So and that's why done a decade of your life and a journey for, for not a lot of return. Now, what would you say about, so this is something that I'm sure you get a lot, right? What do you say about the person that comes to you with an idea that wants investment? Because that probably happens a lot, I would imagine. Certainly, we have a lot of people that contact me and it's like, I've got this great idea. I just need X amount to get it off the ground, you know, which I don't get involved in. It's not what I do. You know, I, I train business owners help. What's your perspective on that? What should somebody that has a business idea, they've got a business idea in place, but they're not out there, they're not selling, they're not marketing, right? They haven't got the idea to the stage of, you know, being finalized and they're actually out there trying to seek investment for it. What would you say to someone like that? I'd say no. I'd say, why haven't you sold anything? Why isn't it off the <laughs> Marketing it. Like, just sell, sell, yeah. sell, get yeah. money in the bank. You know, do whatever you've got to do to get it off the ground. And I think there's a lot of people, you know, if you're not careful, your legacy will be the person that came up with this great idea and you actually did nothing about it. You've got to go out and no matter what it takes in those early days, you've just got to sell. Whatever it takes. Sell, 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 sell. Prove that people want this thing or this service, whatever it is that yeah. you've got, people want it. Prove to me as an investor that people want it and that there's a market out there and you know how to talk to them and prove to me that you're the right person to do it. Then let's have a conversation. And I think so many people... People want the dream. People want that that lazy thing and to go, all oh, right, okay, just... I've got this idea, take it out and make me a million quid. We just done well on that, does it? <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> and the thing is, is, I can guarantee you, if you gave them a million quid, they wouldn't make any money. Yeah, you know, yeah. The thing is, yeah. you know, if you can't get it off the ground by grit, 
yeah. um, determination in the first place before you even come and have a conversation with anybody else, you're not going to make it work either when yeah. I gave you a million quid. Absolutely. So, absolutely. So, yeah, amazing advice. And I think absolutely spot on. So we're going to be doing the next event together, Sarah, which I'm super duper excited about. Yeah, um, so for entrepreneurs and uh, business owners that are going to come along, you know, what would you say to them? If you're going to give them just say three tips of, you know, what they need to be doing. So we've talked about someone that's not there. We've talked about somebody that's got an idea but hasn't started. We've talked about someone that's got the business, got market, got to sell it. Let's talk about somebody that's in their business right now that's a bit stuck and maybe they've been doing things the old way. You know, they've been growing their business over a period of time. Maybe they've been in it for a few years, but it doesn't seem to be growing. What do you do with a business owner like that? Have you had much, I'm sure, sure you have, where somebody's kind of just a bit stuck and they need to break through to the next level. What kind of sort of tips or advice would you give to someone in that kind of place? Well, firstly, you're not alone. So I think that's really <laughs> There are so many people yeah. in that same situation. And one of the things about being an entrepreneur is it can be a really lonely place and you have to be very self-propelled. You know, you'll fall into holes and you've got to find your own way out of it. And that's often really difficult. So because I think that's one of the biggest challenges of being an entrepreneur, I one of the best pieces of advice I can give is surround yourself with great people. Now, if you don't have them in your network, find one. Mm. Listen to people, ask questions, knock on doors, learn, take it in, assimilate as much as you possibly can, because I can absolutely promise you the problems that you're facing today are the same problems that millions of other people have faced. And the answers are there. You mm -hmm. just need that self-drive really to want to go out and find the answers to those questions because they are there. Some yeah, people will cool. help you and you can find them and you can get help and you can help to put structure around yourself. And you've got to say, you know, what type of person I am. Like, I know I have loads of weaknesses, but I live with those weaknesses and I recruit around them or I compensate for them in particular ways. But if you can understand what it is, often it's about you as a person that is holding something back. It's not about the lack of knowledge or something needs to be unlocked in you. And often that is a, a confidence and empowerment thing. And actually, being in an environment where you can listen to others and learn from others and take on what others have done, you go, my God, it's so easy. I can do this. New voices make a massive impact, don't they? Yeah. Listen and learn. Yeah. Absolutely, 100% make a massive impact. And I'm really interested to know yourself. Obviously, you've done a lot. You've you know, achieved some massive things. Have you had mentors yourself or people that have – who are the type of people you can look back on your career and say they made a big impact on getting you to where you are today? Yeah, I was really lucky that certainly in my 20s, I worked with some really good people. And I was very lucky I actually shared an office with the CEO and the chair of Pizza Express for like 18 months. And that was a real game changer for me because I was able to ask loads and loads of questions and understand what they'd done with the IPO, they'd become a PLC, how they were focused on share, creating shareholder value with this very simple business model. And I really understood that because I was able to sit with them and ask loads and loads of questions, which was great. As I've gone on my journey, I've met great people, really, really great people. And so I've never had a mentor yeah. for one thing, but I've had different people in my life that I've been able to call in a very safe environment. I think that's the key. 
you know, often if you're sort of driving in business and you've got other people in the business, it can feel judged or unsafe. And I think it's extremely important that the people you pick up the phone to and have a, that open, raw, actually vulnerable. Yeah. And be able to say, this is where I'm at. This is the problem I'm having. What yeah. Was yeah. And, and those, I, when you show your vulnerability, basically, actually, it's got to be a safe environment with somebody that wants to help you exactly. Now, for somebody that's listening, because I know that I spend a lot of time with people and entrepreneurs that are going through this and they struggle with stuff like this. And it sounds like you've been really good at building relationships with key people. And I think you are very good from getting to know you. I think you're brilliant at building relationships. And you clearly go and give your all to what you're doing, right? And Which I think is really important. What would you say? Why have you been able to develop those relationships with important people and people that can help you? Is there any kind of, do you have a methodology for it? Is it just, or do you have a sort of like a philosophy for it about how you go and do that? Or is it just natural to you, do you think? Because a lot of people it's not natural to. Yeah. A lot of people, but, you know. So... Firstly, I think it's really important going back to that life path, career path thing. I like great people. I just like people. Not everybody, obviously. I think. (laughs) Yeah. Um, God, never in a million years. Eat out of my life. You're too toxic. I don't want you here. But I like people. So I have the people that I formed these relationships with or because I really like them and that they are friends. And that's really important to understand. It's again, it's that life path versus career path. I'm not forming a relationship with, you know, a partner at a law firm because I've met loads of partners at law firms, but one of them, I really liked him and he was great. And he's now a lifelong friend. Yeah. He's actually now the chair of my business. And I met him, you know, 25 years ago and because I love him to bits and he's great. And he's always been there for me. And he's a really, really, really smart. He's brilliant at what he's good at. Yeah. And I love that about him. But he's kind. He cares. I matter to him. You yeah. know, so he matters to me. And I think it's it's been, I've never thought about building a relationship ever with somebody that I don't want to build a relationship with. Not <laughs> I don't yeah. mean clinically. I mean, yeah, yeah, nice. I actually like you. You know, I want yeah. to get to know you. I want to be your friend. I want to understand more about you because I've met you and I think you're brilliant. That I think when you come at it from the perspective of, I actually really like you. It's very natural to build a relationship. I've never, ever in my whole life tried to build a contrived relationship because yeah. I can't do it. I wear my heart on my sleeve too much. And I'm th- yeah. if I don't like somebody, I'm like, oh, I just don't like you. You know, this is never going to work. Say somebody that's a bit introverted. How would they, so it's not necessarily from a contrived perspective, but say someone's really introverted and they don't, and they they feel like they can't approach or they can't build that relationship or they're they're just standoffish by nature in some sort of way. I mean, you have a a confidence about you 100% about how you go and approach things. And that's obviously helps, doesn't it, in a big way. What would you say someone's a bit introverted? Because really what I'm trying to get across is I think relationships are one of the most important things in business in terms of success as well. You know, it's one person, one chance, one opportunity, one introduction, sometimes can just make a massive impact on it on a business. And and a lot of people don't, aren't able to go and build those relationships, I think, a lot of the time, you know? I think my dad is 
painfully introverted, very introverted. I am surprisingly more introverted than I'm extroverted, even though I never stop talking. I get my energy a lot from being alone when I can be and, you know, a lot of peace in my mind. But so I think, firstly, you have to work with yourself, not against yourself. So if I was to say to an introverted person, well, you need to go to walk into that room and, you know, walk the room. They'd die a slow, painful death and leave. It would be awful. So you've got to work with who you are. If you're very introverted, then you know what? Just talk to one person. That's okay. Because the most introverted people, when you get them one-on-one, they ask the most brilliant questions and they listen Mm. and, and they're interested. Yeah. I think that's the point is find somebody that you are interested in and go and ask them some questions. And go and talk to them and listen to them. And they will walk away from that conversation feeling very valued because you have given them that time. And actually, you only do it, obviously, if you're genuinely interested in them. Otherwise, it will be contrived and it won't work. But it, I think working with who you are is, is really important. And I think equally, if you're like super extroverted and you just kind of walk a room Often you have to remind yourself you need to go a bit deeper and you need to spend that time one-on-one doing what introverted people do really, really well. And that is engaging with one person, looking them in the eye, learning from them, asking questions, making sure they feel valued in that conversation. And introverted people will do that extremely well, actually, that one-on-one. So I think just work with who you are, who you are. But you've got to push your comfort zone a bit. Otherwise, I mean, what are we doing here? So you've got to, (laughs) if normally you'd only speak to one person, aim to speak to two people. If you're somebody who just walks in a room and you leave with like 50 contacts, but you've actually not had a sensible conversation with anybody, remind yourself to stop and ask questions and listen. You know, instead of talking all the time, listen, be interested, take stuff home, ask. And that's something I have to remind myself to do. I have to remind myself, well, you know, it's not difficult when I'm one-on-one, mm. but in a group environment, especially now, I can be zapped away by lots of different people. I've never, re- and then I end up not really engaging with, yeah. one, you know, with one or two people. So to remind myself to ask, find out more, it's always incredible when you do stop and engage. I think the- that your self-awareness, it sounds to me a lot of the success has come from really good self-awareness and, you know, and building on your skills. You know, it seems to me from what you're saying. Yeah, and I think that self-awareness can be really brutal, right? Because you are obviously, you learn, you know, the stuff you're really not good at as well. But I mean, I sat in a board meeting yesterday with one of my businesses and I had to stop him and say, what, what's with the 20 lashings? Do you know what I mean? He's like that. I don't yeah. Stop. Mm. You are brilliant. Like, look at what you have achieved. All these areas for development that you're giving yourself. Okay, great. Yeah, of course, we always want to improve, but can we just have a little bit more of why we're all brilliant? And I made everybody in the room tell <laughs> why they're all brilliant. Because I was like, hang on, you know, you wouldn't be sat I'll here. Tell you what, you've, got a, you've got an endless amount of positivity, Sarah. I actually put on LinkedIn, there was a little post. I didn't actually put my marketing team put on LinkedIn. And I had a couple of people write, Sarah was my ex-boss. She's amazing. Really? Yeah, I don't know what the no. name is. I'll have to find them. But oh, I'll have to find it. 
yeah. off LinkedIn actually. When I went on Dragon's Den, I came off LinkedIn. I was literally like bombarded. I can't handle it. I stopped doing LinkedIn. Oh, but you'll have to tell me who that is. That's oh, so I'll, cool. I'll look it up. I'll send it to you. But so obviously you do a good job at motivating them and pumping them oh, up. Oh, that's really good to hear. I mean, God, I'm sure there'll be plenty of people also in my 20s who'd be like, oh my gosh, just all those through. But, you know, as you get older, you do learn to reflect. And I think you become a much better, I'm miles better boss today than I was 20 years ago. Miles better. Yeah, which is cool. Well, look, I think that, you know, some great, great stuff there. If you've been listening today, you need to get yourself over to our next event, Business Growth Secrets. If you go, the best place to go will be to my Instagram, at adamstockcoach. There's a link in the bio where you can go and reserve your ticket. Also, go and follow Sarah. Sarah, where's best for people to come and follow you on? Instagram, probably. I mean, I do use Twitter a little bit. I've got loads more followers on Twitter, actually, but it's just because I've had it much longer than I've had Instagram. But Instagram's definitely the best place to... Handle, darling? Is it at Sarah Sarah Willingham? Yeah, go and follow Sarah as well on Insta. We come to the event, come and see myself, come and learn from Sarah. I mean the stuff that you were you're giving out and helping people with and inspiring them and motivating they're not only they're going to get three days of amazing content but to be able to get somebody like yourself to go and advise them and show them the methods that you were showing the other day it's going to be incredible so i want to thank you so much for coming on today you've been absolutely brilliant as usual and i'm really looking forward to working with you in january it's going to be absolutely it's the new year the right way eh? yeah exactly it's such a pleasure thank you so much and i just i mean the people that come to your events are Amazing. I mean, what a room full of the most inspiring, passionate people, just so eager to learn and just wanting to do it right. Oh, I mean, I honestly, I loved them and I was I was buzzing all day and the amount of feedback and messages I've had off I follow loads of them on Instagram now. And yeah. it's just so great nice thing for them you know, really nice for them as well you're so personable and so engaging with them that i think that's awesome and uh, yeah people are going to be lucky to come and meet you the next one so it's gonna be awesome so thank awesome. you so much for today sarah thank okay. you so much well thanks hi hey everybody adam here and i hope you loved today's episode hope you thought it was fabulous and if you did i'd like to ask you a small favor could you jump over and go and give the podcast a review? Of course, I'll be super grateful if that is a five-star review. We're putting our all into this podcast for you, delivering you the content, giving you the secrets. And if you've enjoyed it, please go and give us a review and talk about what your favorite episode is, perhaps. Every single month, I select someone from that review list to come to one of my exclusive Academy days and have lunch with me on the day, meeting hundreds of my clients. So if you want that to be you, then you're going to be in with a shout if you go and give us a review on iTunes. Please, of course, do remember to subscribe so you can get all the up-to-date episodes. Peace and love, and I'll see you very, very soon. Thank you.